And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The race is on and the season gets ever closer with the first day of the second preseason test already in the books. We've seen a lot more miles, heard a lot more from the drivers and other key players, but are we any wiser? The teams will certainly hope they are, but with two more days remaining, although we haven't seen anyone lay their cards on the table to really show what they can do, the picture is gradually becoming a little clearer. I'm Ed Straw and joining me is Gary Anderson to try and make some sense of it all. So Gary, Alfa Romeo's fastest will win the World Championship. Fact. Robert Kubica was fastest in the Alfa Romeo, which is... Uh... It's nice to see, to be honest. He had a tough uh, comeback last year with Williams. So although it's uh, probably a little bit of a glory run, um, and it's probably the last time he'll drive this this uh, weekend or this testing. So, you know, it's nice to see it. I don't think it's all really true, um, to be honest. But yeah, um, they've come a new front wing on, for the car. Um, we've done an article about it, so you can go and read about it there. But It's, it's a very interesting piece. And that, you're not totally convinced no. by their direction. No, it, it wouldn't have been the direction I would have taken to try to have alleviated what I think their problem is, which is the sensitivity between fast corners and, and low-speed corners. I don't think they'll gain the low-speed grip the way they've done it. I think they'll probably end up getting the car a little bit more pitch-sensitive. So it's a circle of events. Maybe they needed to do that to, to realise their problem, but you know we'll keep an eye on it and see if anything changes there. And we also saw a, a new diffuser for the, for the McLaren, uh, which we have again... I've done an article on so you know there are developments coming through a lot of small bits and pieces Williams have got a modified front wing I'd call it more than a new front wing exploiting the regulations a little bit which, which again we've done an article on so it's all there um does it improve the car you know there's uh, still questions over the lap times that, that most teams are doing before we really know where we're at yeah well as Gary says there's uh, there's plenty uh, to read on the website Three stories on the uh, on the McLaren, the Alpha, and the and the Williams in terms of in terms of uh, new parts. It's interesting actually. Alpha Romeo, I've 
tried to go along to Alpha's little press gathering at the end of the day when a few of us could have spoken to Kimmy, but we waited for about 20 minutes and then the uh, the team PR said, oh no, he's not coming. So I presume he was wedged in a debrief and uh, there was a bit of head scratching going on. That's uh, normally a, a, a bit of a questionable sign, but I, I, I think we've probably seen something approaching what the Alfa Romeo can do. Maybe not absolute flat out qualifying, but they've set some quick times both last test and this test. So They've definitely been trying because they've been going to the, the, the very soft tyre, the C5. So, you know, you don't do that if you're not going to give it a bit of a fling. And if you get high fuel with a C5 tyre around Barcelona, you'll just kill them dead. So, no, I don't think they're running, you know, obviously, the, as I keep calling the sniff of an oily rag, uh, that low. But they're not, they're not in excess of fuel whenever they're trying for their times. Well, let's, let's look up at the front. It was another day of pounding round looking very ominous for for Mercedes obviously their their fastest lap time was nothing uh, nothing particularly special Lewis Hamilton was seventh fastest uh, 0.6 off off the pace and we should add that nobody's hit the the time that the Mercedes set in the in the last test yet in in, in this one so overall times are kind of by the by but just yeah 89 laps for Hamilton 90 laps for Bottas just metronomically bang 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 nothing going wrong the car looks quick in all conditions You'd be pretty happy if you were sat in the Mercedes uh, truck right now crunching the numbers, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, that's an equivalent of sort of th- three plus race distances, I think, uh, in one day between the two drivers. And, you know, that, that's what it's all about. Firing the car up in the morning and switching it off at lunchtime, firing it up after lunch and, and switching it off at night. If you can do that, then, you know, you're getting yourself, you know, into a, a state where you've got confidence and that sort of thing going into the race. You don't want to be taking many gambles when you do get to Melbourne. You just want to make, pound the miles in, make sure the temperatures stay all right, and that, you know that bit of wire isn't going to get burned, all that sort of stuff. So they are doing their, their homework very, very well. Um, they have done some race runs, which I'll get a bit more analytical with tomorrow. Uh, see what can pick out there. Um, the one, we, the one they did at the, on the last day of the last test was was pretty impressive. So we'll just see how they've stacked up with doing, you know, maybe do, doing another couple. So. Yeah, I mean, that's the objective for this testing, is to get as much knowledge of the car as you can. Obviously, you want to stop sometimes and do a little bit of setup change here and there. And setup change in these cars isn't isn't a quick thing to do, because all the rear suspensions inside the sort of bell housing, the gearbox, very, very complicated to get to. You can get to the front suspension fairly easily, but some of these setup changes does take a bit of time. And I think, you know, one of the things we should say about Mercedes, they've, they really have pushed the rear suspension um, members, you know, uh, as far as what they're trying to do with the rear suspension to try and improve the dif- the, the diffuser downforce, haven't really got on top of it yet. But we've got some good pictures today, so I'm going to try and do a bit of a feature tomorrow on it and how they might have tried to achieve it. And it does sort of take away one of the legs of the bottom wishbone, so there's a a bit missing, if you know what I mean. Um, but you still got to do all the same work. So I'll have a look tomorrow and try and try and come up with a reason and and, uh, and uh, how they how they achieved it. But but overall, you know, Mercedes. If you're Ferrari or Red Bull, you'd be looking at them thinking, mm, you know, that's a that's a hell of a moving target, isn't it? They've they've worked on every aspect of the car on the engine side. You know, it's a, we know it's a little bit more compact. They found power. They can run it a little bit higher temperatures. It's just that everything everything just pushed to that next step. And although there's no, I mean, uh, dual dual axis steering uh, aside, there's nothing kind of magic they've done. It's just like doing everything even more brilliantly than before yeah i mean if you take if you take the, the cooling against the uh, the downforce level the more you have to cool the car the less airflow you have <coughs> to create um, downforce with 
So, you know, as a rule of thumb from, from way back in the old days, you know, if you had to uh, cool the car by five degrees, you end up losing about 2% of the downforce. So you want to make sure you're covered there. And, and the Mercedes engine department um, have done a very, very good job in allowing the engine to run a little bit hotter, uh, making sure the materials and stuff were correct. And obviously the lubricants from their uh, lubricant supplier um, has to go with that. Um, and if you can do that, and actually with the engine themselves, they, you know, the engine generates a certain amount of power, X amount of it goes out the end of the crankshaft, and the rest of it's turned into heat. And they've always pushed very hard to reduce that uh, excess that's going into heat. And if you can do that, it's basically reducing friction. You reduce the heat the engine's generating, um, and then you get more out the end of the crank as well. So it's a double whammy. You, you get a little bit more power, less heat's being um, put into the radiators, less cooling required, more downforce. So you got a bit more power and a bit more downforce. So it's a good way to go. And you don't use any more fuel because it's just doing away with the, the bad bits as opposed to having to put more fuel in to get more power. Well, in talking of heat, the heat is on at Ferrari. Lots of talk about them. We still haven't seen anything in terms of extreme pace uh, from them. There was a little bit of fun with uh, team principal Mattia Bonotto saying that the Mercedes suggestion that they'd made a few days ago, they were running their engine dialed back compared to the the customers he said that wasn't uh that said that wasn't correct uh so what do you make of where ferrari are have you got a bit more of a feel for them um well it's difficult because you know the, the difference in ferrari to to mercedes is basically 1.68 seconds now you know if that fuel if that was just a fuel load um it's uh 30 50 kilograms of fuel now Mercedes are not running their car light. I'm expecting something like a 14.5, 14.7, maybe from this test, whenever somebody does try to do a lap time in that region, looking into the 14s. So, you know, that's, if you take that, again, against against um, what Mercedes have done, you know, they've got fuel in their car. So, and, and then you look deeper a little bit at it. You know, if you look at Mercedes, if you look at Red Bull, if you look at Racing Point, um, if you look at Renault, you know the team's sort of body language is 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 you know it's just that they got their, their shoulders up there. They're they're on a mission. They're doing something. If you look at Ferraris, it isn't. You know, none of the team, from the drivers to Matteo Bonotti or anybody, you know they're not. You know, don't look to me like they're just ready for battle. They're a bit a bit shy of it all. So we'll have to see. Obviously, you know they're not down where where we think. You know where we show them at the moment, but but we can do no more than take the times as we've done for everybody, and say this is the time that uh, I think you would do if you're on C three tires. Actually, Vell was on a C three tire today and did a you know an eighteen one one on that actual tire. So it's difficult to know. I don't know, and I'm sure they're as confused as anything. They're apparently they got some new bits here. I haven't really seen them yet. A uh, new front wing, so maybe they've got this super slender nose and front wing just just arriving tonight and uh, we build it on tomorrow but we'll just have to wait and see we saw the the new rear wing with just the slightly different sort of curved profile at the bottom of it so that seemed to be on uh, certainly in the morning it was on on quite a lot i didn't see so much in the afternoon of that but so that there's bits and pieces turning up well there is i mean the rear wing is a sort of it's a standalone item it's a it's a, a variable that you'll have for the, you know probably got 10 of them or something in there in their catalogue of rear wings, ready for different circuits anyway. So it's not, I wouldn't classify the rear wing as a, a major development thing. It's just it's just a wing that maybe just offers that little bit more efficiency for the downforce levels you're running. 
And that's why, you know, you'll see it from Montreal to Monza to Monaco to, to uh, Spa, variations in wing. And um, as I say, I don't get excited about rear wings as far as the details concerned relative to developments. And rear wing end plates and stuff like that, yes, you know, they're more important. They are car parts. The rear wing is an, is an adjustable part. Well, you mentioned your kind of performance ranking. Is it, is it worth quickly running through that there? You've got your uh, you've got your numbers at the ready. This is, of course, covering the, this is kind of a peak pace that you have evidence for, should we say, across the four days of testing so far. Yeah, all what I've used is, I mean, everybody's, there's, there's five different tyres here. And I've come up with looking at the cars and during last season and during this test and the sort of delta between compounds to try to... Um, make sure that I cover the fact that if somebody does all the running on a different tyre from somebody else. So I've sort of quitted that back to the C3 tyre, which I think in the end of the day we'll probably see most lap times by the end of this test done on the C4 tyre. And when that happens, I'll, I'll sort of convert to the, the biggest percentage, basically, uh, whatever tyres run for, as the biggest percentage of the 10 teams it's running. But at the minute, it's the C3 tyre. Um, and we have Mercedes from the last test with a 16.432, uh, Red Bull from the last test with a 17.135. Racing Point from the last test with a 17.347. Renault from the last test was a, with a 17.373. Um, and that they were the top four at the last test. They're, you know, they're, again, I'm using the same times because if you've done it and the track isn't that much different, you know, if we see a big difference in, the, in times from one day to the next day, we'll sort of discount it because it's, you know, the track's not, the track's changed a lot, but it has to be everybody's. Uh, done a, a you know a much slower time, so then we got Alpha Tauri. They were um, they were fifth at the, la- at the last test. They've got gone um, a little bit quicker and they've done a, a seventeen four five six, but they're still fifth. And then Alpha Romeo popped up from seventh to sixth, and they've done a, um, a seventeen six four two. McLaren have gone from sixth to seventh, um, and again it was the first test they've did a a seventeen seven seven four. Ferrari have gone from ninth to eighth. Um, they have done a seventy, uh, an eighteen one one three. Uh, at the first test, it's an eighteen two eight nine. So you know they found point one seven of a second. Um, so you know it's difficult to see. That's that's not much um, as far as relative terms. That's you know it's five kilograms of fuel difference, or you know a very very small amount of engine d- uh, difference. Um, we got Williams who've dropped from eighth to ninth. Uh, they've got the same time from the first test, 78.168, or an 18.168, sorry. And then Haas is, is languishing at the, at the back end, 10th at, both, 10th at the minute at both tests, with an 18.380. So, you know, f- the average sort of lap time from the first test was a 17.641, 6.41. The average lap time from this test is 17.582. So there's no big difference there. I don't think the track's really that bad. People were complaining a bit about the wind today, but, you know, some cars get affected by the wind and some cars don't get affected by the wind so it's an interesting thing to see who who really is complaining about it you have to you have to race in the wind some some places are windy than others but you need to just get on with the job and then find out what your the difference in the car is going to be for the wind and uh, so you can accommodate it whenever you know push comes to shove at a race meeting well you've got red bull second in that ranking we saw red bull have a few little problems today they were a bit delayed in the morning with a, a rear suspension problem then right at the end of the day verstappen had a had an off that was just at the run out of fuel at an inconvenient moment, shall we uh, say. So that would have been an out-of-fuel run for him. But a little bit of lost track time for Red Bull, and we still haven't quite seen that that extreme pace that we kind of have a feeling might be somewhere in the car, but but still that step behind. Yeah, there's still that step behind, although I I still have to say, you know, 
the body language at Red Bull is pretty strong. Um, are they going to challenge Mercedes? Um, it, it's probably doubtful, but are they going to be close to Mercedes? I think so. You know, you have to consider that the last four races of last season, Red Bull were the, the quickest car. If you did take the average um, average percentage from the four races, uh, they were they were the fastest car, Mercedes second and Ferrari third. So they want to continue from where they've, they left off. Um, at the minute, I've got them seven-tenths slower than, than Mercedes. Um, that's worse than, than last last year, to be honest, by a long shot. Uh, they end up the season, that, that, that seven-tenths around here would become... Well, become a second really, a one percent. Sorry, and uh, last year they were they ended up point one of a percent um, of you know ahead of Ferrari, ahead of uh, Mercedes. So at the minute they're not doing as well as they did last year. Is that because Mercedes are doing a lot better? You know, you don't know until you really uh, one of them sort of runs the gauntlet and, uh, and throws on the lap time, and uh, hopefully wasn't one of them will. But uh, when what day it'll be Thursday or Friday this week, I'm not sure. There's a very, very, very slight sense of familiarity growing, isn't there, with Mercedes at the front and Red Bull not quite able to carry the momentum over from the previous season. They have said they've tried to change that this year. And like you say, we have got a lot more to see over the next two days. So I'm hoping we can see some more from, from Red Bull because it would be great if they were in their, uh, in their pushing. Same with, uh, with Ferrari as well. Obviously, Racing Point has been that big talking point. We've spoken before on the podcast about the the pink mercedes uh thing in fact we had a chat with uh andrew green the technical director obviously worked with you back in jordan days about how that whole process has been undertaken and how actually how it's quite difficult to kind of copy as it were a car and then understand it and and, and evolve it but that car is good uh, sergio perez was talking at the end of today um he said this is basically the, the strongest they've been at the start of a season uh, the most solid package his career at any stage so that there's this kind of feeling that that this racing point car could start the season at least very very strongly no i agree and what andrew was saying was was genuine it's, it's the way i think as well you know they they pursued their own concept for for many years and basically they went to the high high rear ride height and all that sort of stuff um and they did everything correctly because they, they evolved their car and they made it better within its own concept and what what they decided to do this year was to take millions of pictures of the of the Mercedes last year's Mercedes, and then really sort of buy into the fact that this car has just won the world championship. It's got a Mercedes engine in it that they're using. It's got the Mercedes gearbox on it that they're using. They're now also using the front and rear uprights from the Mercedes. So they're they're sort of tied into Mercedes. So they they, they decided right, let's take the next step, model it all up as best we can to see what, um, what, how it performs. And initially, it was terrible, uh, way down and downforce from their original car. But they decided to buy into that fact and just keep on developing now what they had sort of created of a, a Mercedes B car, I suppose you might call it. Um, and as the development started to, started to come to, to, to pay dividends, they sort of tried to understand why their car to this car uh, why this car uh, worked and won the world championship, and their car you know, wasn't as fast. And they did discover that basically the aerodynamic package on the on the car was um, much more benign. It wasn't peaky downforce. It was much more driver friendly. Um, all that sort of stuff. And that's the sort of stuff that I 100% agree with. You know, you got to give the driver confidence, and, and drive, giving the driver confidence because the downforce hangs around. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't come and go that you get with the peakiness. 
is a massive, massive thing. I think both drivers say that now. So I think they're in the right direction. Uh, it, you know, if I was looking at the car right now, I'd say it looks very like a Mercedes from last year. But that's what they've done. You know, they, they didn't want to sort of get halfway there and say, oh, look, if we, if we change this bit to our way of thinking, look, we get, you know, 10 points of downforce or whatever. They're stuck with what the what you see from on the Mercedes. And obviously making profile, wing profiles and all that sort of stuff is very, very difficult. But all you can do is take a, a genuine component that you can measure, draw from a, from pictures, and then you try and optimise that component as opposed to changing route, changing direction completely. And I think what they've done, you know, as a, as a past technical director, I wouldn't like to have done it because you're sort of admitting that, you know, somebody out there is cleverer than you. Um, and it's nice to come up with your own ideas. But it's the last year of these regulations. So they wanted to find a different direction because it will allow them, the regulation is changing for next year, for 2021, but allow them to take that direction and sort of encompass it into next year's car. The, the characteristics, I suppose you might call it, because they've got their own car and its characteristics. They've got this new car and its characteristics. Somewhere in between there is probably the, the real thing. Um, but at least they've, they're going to have experience of it. So it'll help them for, for the future, even though the regulations are changing. And again, it's still looking like the midfield's going to be interesting. Alpha Tower, we haven't spoken about a great deal. They've been relatively consistent in kind of where they're where they are and where they're lapping. They, they look like they have got quite a tidy package there, don't they? They should probably be relatively content with uh, with where they are. Both Daniel Kvyat and Pierre Gasly today were saying they were sort of pretty happy with things. They had the air of of drivers that that knew they had something under them that they can they can do something with. They're working through all the the, you know, the setup parameters, etc. The car was doing what they thought it would, so it, it felt like a quite a tidy step. Yeah, I mean, I, I keep talking this body language, and, and Kvyat's not, I don't think he ever smiles really, does he? Um, but the, again, they're another team that's, you know, they're, they're, the shoulders are high, they're, they're bouncing around a bit. And I think that's right, because, you know, they've, they've gone from being a team that's bringing in juniors every year, they had a new driver for a long time. They've now got two drivers that have been through the Red Bull cycle. They've been to Red Bull, they've driven for the works team, they know the, the pressures that's demanded of them from the works team. And that pressure isn't any different from from for them at AlphaTauri. It's just not pressed onto them so much. So they can relax a little bit more, but they still know how they, they still know that they need to perform. And I think this is their best chance to have a really good season with the two drivers they've got. And it really is because the drivers are, you know, they're they are top line drivers. They've all they've both stood in the podium. Um and you know at the end of the day they've got the same engine, they've got a good relationship with uh, with Red Bull. Interesting thing for me is that they're you know, the front wing philosophy, again, Red Bull to Delta Tori, um, doesn't follow the same the same thought pattern at all. So um, I've always waited for last year and now into this year for them to sort of join up somewhere and see who went to what direction. Um, and I still think there's a better compromise in there. But, um, you know, obviously it changes the rest of the car how it works. So they have to do their own car aerodynamically. And they do do that. And, uh, and it's nice to see that they do do it. They do do that, and, and they end up their own with their own route on the front wing. Yeah, uh, the, it's not just a, a 2019 Red Bull bony stretch imagination. Some bits are, and they do their own aero program. In fact, we run a story on the on the race.com about them considering moving in to share the Red Bull wind tunnel because next year the occupancy rules that have come in for 2021 are much more restrictive. So actually, two teams can share the same wind tunnel that the Red Bull Bedford wind tunnel this would be without any big problems. So that would allow 
AlphaTauri to move up from 50% scale to the maximum permitted. 60% scale are the only ones at 50% at the moment. Yeah, they are the only ones at 50%. Uh, moving to 60% doesn't sound like much, but it's, you know, it is a lot bigger model. Higher loads on all the components. So suddenly, you know, it's, you know, you can't go and tape on little bits of cardboard or anything. Um, so you have to really make everything that has to fasten correctly. The, the thing as well that is quite interesting is that, you know, the bigger the model, the bigger the tunnel needs to be. So um, there is a bit of a benefit from having a 50% model. As long as you understand it and, and know its shortcomings, the tunnel itself isn't so critical. When you talk about these these cars having outwash, um, I mean, a 50% model is, what, a metre across. Um, you know, these, the, the, these cars are two metres over the outside of the wheels, as far as I'm, I think I'm correct there. Two metres across the outside of the wheels, so 50% models, one metre across the, the outside of the wheels. And to be honest, to with this outwash that we used to have and still have, to be honest, uh, around the front tyres, you know, you need the walls of the wind tunnel need to be another metre away from you to, to not be affected and not change the pressure and the flow outside around the wheels. So going to a 60% model, you know, that, that problem just compounds. Your tunnel's got to be bigger again. Um, so there's an area there to say at the moment with what they've got, they understand it, they understand its shortcomings, they can do okay. Changing to the 60% model will be a, Massively expensive venture, um, and will it pay rewards whenever really next year's regulations? It's all about doing away with downforce producing devices and, and trick stuff. It's all much more much more simple. I I'd nearly say to just stick with what you got, and, and uh, next year will come towards you, um, as opposed to you needing to get you know the bigger the bigger model. Well, and that's why Alpha Tower is only considering it at this stage. I need to make sure it's obviously all the model making capacity, etc. Because what you can't do is just stick a fifty percent model in that sixty percent tunnel and take advantage of the extra space because all the way it's mounted, etc. It's, it's set up for for sixty percent models. And actually, coming back to what Andrew Green was saying about Racing Point, they had to make sure before they did this copy because they were going to do so many iterations when they started that process. I think it said last June they really started working on it. They had to have the production resource to make the parts and the model parts to put through every few weeks so you have new new steps so it's uh yeah serious business uh the wind tunnels uh before we wrap up we should perhaps mention mclaren i'm trying to pick on some of the teams we haven't spoken about so much they've said they're keeping quite a, a low profile in terms of there'll be upgrades coming in in melbourne so which be perhaps expected that they're not setting the world alight with the, the overall lap times in the midfield. They seem to be relatively confident you were you were happy with the floor upgrade. That while the Alpha one you didn't think made sense, the the uh the, the McLaren one did make sense and there's some great picks uh, that you've had illustrated on the on the, the website on the race.com that, that kind of show where the changes are and you can see with the flow is why they might do that. Yeah you can. Um there is a bit of a there is a bit of a sort of caveat there that I'd like to sort of add in and, and I put it on the article you know the, the volume of the diffuser at the back is really what makes it work and you can be very sympathetic with the flow but you don't get the downforce out of it you get the consistency out of it um, there's other areas of the diffuser that affect that little bit that I've highlighted that's probably um, suffering from airflow separation um, and, I, and I, I'm not so sure they'll get the downforce that they need out of that new floor They'll get the consistency out of it, but getting the actual numbers high enough. So I would have maybe pursued a little bit of a, of a a different avenue to try to have fixed that problem and kept the volume at the back of the diffuser as big as possible, the minute they've given some up. Um, so it's a chicken and egg. You know, I don't know how big their problem is. I don't know what the problem is they're trying to fix other than getting good airflow there. 
uh, which looks as though they've achieved, and I would expect that they've to achieve it because they've made the, the diffuser area less aggressive. Less aggressive means less downforce, but it will mean more stable downforce. So we'll wait and see. But as as a as a wise man has told me many times over the past decade or more, the consistency is the key because you can only drive to the to the uh, to the troughs, not the peaks, as it were, for the driver. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. But you know, whenever I take good cars that we've had, they've always been cars that had consistent downforce. Um, but there weren't cars that won races, if you know. I mean, there were, there were cars that were competitive. We needed help to win a race from from the others having problems. So there's a fine line between a car that's you're able to to trap in a certain position. That's the, air, the aero map from underneath from the car, basically around the track, with all the different ride heights it goes through, all the different scenarios of roll, yaw, steering, and the aero map you create from that. The more stable you can have that, the better for sure. But you don't want to give up good downforce you've got to let the car move to a certain level uh, to give the driver feedback um, and if you sort of don't allow the car to move to that level and you, you trap the car sort of stiff springs and you know all that sort of stuff to stop the car moving really the driver will hit it um, so you want, there's a certain amount of movement you need to let, allow into the car to give the driver confidance and then you need your downforce to be stable over that so there's a compromise somewhere in between the two you, you definitely need to out and out grip to, to, to beat other people but you need to out and out grip with consistency and that's that's why the job's tough well thanks very much gary good overview of, of today's test and some of the patterns we have seen of course we've got two more days we'll have two more podcasts to come from the end of each day's running and of course if you head to the race.com and don't forget the hyphen there's huge amounts to read on there including some of the articles gary's put together that were mentioned in this podcast so please do subscribe give us a review if you like it and we'll be back tomorrow with more <laughs>